from the studios of Farm Journal Broadcast. This is Ag Day. Finding the perfect tree. We never run out of Christmas trees. Why it may be as close as your local Christmas tree farm. Pork producers, take note, changes are coming to the pork checkoff program. We have a breakdown as the nation prepares for a major blast of Arctic air, high winds and snow. We are looking at our most significant cold outbreak and storm at any point during the winter since February of 2021, almost two years ago. And it's hitting as holiday travel kicks into high gear. We're tracking it right now on Ag Day. Good morning, I'm Clinton Griffiths. Happening right now, a powerful winter storm is starting its push across the country, bringing with it snow and high winds. But it's also ushering in what could be the coldest Christmas weekend in nearly 40 years. Here's the storm right now by the numbers. More than 90 million people are under winter weather alerts. More than 87 million people are facing wind chill alerts. Now some of the coldest conditions hitting by Friday impacting travel amid the busiest travel days of the year. Those alerts stretching across 37 states all the way from the U.S.-Mexico border to the U.S.-Canadian border. Now when it's done, the storm is expected to have impacted nearly every one of the lower 48 states. Winter weather and bitter cold temperatures already impacting the plains, including snow and wind chills of 52 below in Montana on Wednesday. That will drive southward and reach the Rio Grande within about 36 hours. That's how fast that cold air is moving from Montana to Texas in less than a day and a half. So by late Thursday, the cold front will be reaching the Mexican border and then driving further south from there. And while the snow may be good news for areas in need of moisture, the extreme cold isn't. Matt Makins with Cattlefax warns wheat in parts of the central and western plains doesn't have a protective layer of snow to protect it against that bitter cold, which will last for several days. And Commodity Weather Group warns 20% of the crop is susceptible to winter kill right now. That includes 45% of the hard winter wheat crop and the threat to ag extends further south. We're expecting a three-day freeze across deep south Texas starting December 23rd. That could lead to some concerns for citrus, sugarcane, and other temperature-sensitive crops across deep south Texas. Those concerns will extend eastward to Louisiana sugarcane areas. We could see temperatures dropping to 20 degrees or below in some of the northern Louisiana sugarcane production areas. Hard freezes expected throughout the region. Sugarcane harvest is wrapping up in Louisiana, but Rippey says a small amount of acreage is still vulnerable. The National Weather Service is calling this storm a life-threatening, once-in-a-generation event. Meteorologist Courtney Jorgensen is tracking it. Well, today is very cold for a good chunk of the country. Take a look at those temperatures to get you started throughout the day today. Many of us are already in those negative digits, but as we head on through the day and into tomorrow, those cold temperatures only continue. In fact, as we take a look ahead into tomorrow, look at that purple tones. Nearly the entire country is going to be quite cold, even down towards Jacksonville, Florida, where those temperatures are actually going to be 23 degrees. Now it's actually going to feel even colder than that. And on top of that, we're adding snowfall as well. Snowfall estimates through this evening looking to be over three inches in some areas. But once we start to get the Great Lakes included in this, we start to see those lake effect snow components. And that's when those snowfall totals really start to ramp up as we head into and through the holiday weekend. 
Yields in the Fields on Ag Day is brought to you by Micro Essentials from Mosaic, the science of more. Discover our proven products. Text YIELDS to 31313. And ahead of the cold, Wesley Grantham of Alabama last week said he was getting some steers turned out on the ryegrass. But they'll enjoy that. I'll have more on this massive storm coming up. All right, thanks, Courtney. And you don't want to get stranded in a storm like this, but that's just what happened to one South Dakota man during last week's storm in the plains. Police say he left his home to collect firewood, but his car got stuck in the snow after the area saw nearly 48 inches. The Pennington County Sheriff's Office says the man was able to stay warm in his car, but he ran out of fuel last Wednesday. There was a weak cell signal, so he couldn't call for help, but he did manage to send a text message before his phone battery died. Rescuers were able to use that to narrow down the search finding him near the state border with Wyoming last Thursday. He was taken to the hospital for evaluation. The pork industry will see some changes in the checkoff program to kick off the new year. Ag News Michelle Rook is here with the details. Clinton, earlier this year, delegates to the 2022 National Pork Forum voted to change the National Pork Checkoff Rate. The recommendation came from the Pork Industry Vision Task Force and their new strategic plan, which directs the current structure and resource needs of the pork industry to ensure its long-term success. As part of that, producers told the industry leadership they want the National Pork Board to be more efficient and strategic with their dollars. The newly passed pork checkoff rate will kick in on January 1st of 2023 and will lower the assessment by 12.5%. The mandatory checkoff, which we use for research, promotion and education, will go from $0.40 cents per $100 of value down to 35 The SIP contribution will go from $0.10 cents per $100 of value up to 15 Muller says the total contribution from producers will still be $0.50. Cents. Shifting the dollars won't affect the research, promotion, and education work of the pork board, but will put more money into the strategic investment program to deal with the growing legal battles and legislative fights in Washington, D.C. Well, I think the, the major reason for the change is the increased needs for, to address policy issues. We have a lot of policy issues that are coming forward that are difficult to address and take a lot of finances. He says the industry faces headwinds gaining the support of lawmakers outside of the farm belt and this change will allow the National Pork Producers Council to be more responsive to industry needs and challenges and present a more unified voice. Now in recent years the pork industry has faced many legal challenges including Proposition 12 in California which bans gestation crates in order to sell pork there, a case that is awaiting a ruling from the Supreme Court. The U.S. may end the year as a full-year net exporter of crude oil, shipping out more oil than it brings in. Reuters reporting last month, net U.S. crude oil imports dropped to 1.1 million barrels per day. That's the lowest level on record, while exports of outgoing shipments also hit a record at 3.4 million barrels per day. That would be only the second time since World War II that the U.S., will be a net exporter of crude oil if realized. It also happened back in 2020 due to COVID. Now, analysts say the U.S. could hit that mark late next year if shale production ramps back up and international demand remains healthy. The U.S. also expected to be one of the world's largest liquefied natural gas exporters as well as strong European demand extends into 2023. As Ukraine's president pays a visit to the U.S., the country's ag industry could soon be getting a financial boost. The International Finance Corporation has arranged $2 billion in financing to help rebuild the country's agriculture and fuel import industries, which 
have been hit hard following Russia's invasion. The IFC is a member of the World Bank Group. It provides private sector financing to developing countries. Now, since Russia invaded in February, at least five million jobs have been lost. That's according to Ukraine's Ministry of Economy. The National Bank of Ukraine estimating 11% of businesses had closed as of September. More than half were operating below capacity. Markets were higher on Wednesday. Michelle Rook joins us next to take a look at what was behind that rally. And later, we're off to celebrate Christmas with a little help from the Christmas tree industry. See how it's doing this season and why growers are excited about the future in the country. And we have yet another winner of our Case IH holiday giveaway. This morning's winner is Jackie Mickrot of Range, Wisconsin. Now, Jackie is getting an awesome Case IH prize package. We'll announce another prize package winner tomorrow and look for the grand prize winner of the Farm All Seed Pedal Tractor to be announced on the U.S. Farm Report this weekend. Looks like Corteva will be cutting some jobs in the new year due to Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Reuters reporting it will cut 51 positions from a sunflower seed facility in Woodland, California. That's run by Pioneer Hybrid International subsidiary. It says because it's stopping production and business in Russia, it has enough sunflower production capacity in Europe for the European market. So it no longer needs the additional production capacity at the Woodland location. Now in September, Corteva announced it plans to exit about 35 countries and lay off about 5% of its global workforce to cut costs. Traders finally seem to be getting concerned about the potential damage from this massive winter storm pushing across the country, sending wheat futures to their highest levels in nearly three weeks on concerns the frigid temperatures could damage that winter wheat crop. Michelle Rook is back to talk it over with Darren Fry in Markets Now. Well, a commodity-wide rally on Wednesday. Darren Frywater Street Solutions joining us to visit about that. And wheat, actually kind of the leader over in the grain complex. Finally, it looks like we're putting in a little weather premium. Yeah, this winter storm is a big one that's coming. And I think with all the drought conditions and the wind that has plagued the Western Plains, we're seeing now that freezing type of weather coming in. I think the funds, as short as they are, are probably doing a little year-end squaring as well as just some short covering ahead of this winter storm. And corn kind of followed wheat then? It did. I was kind of looking for a rally up in three waves in both wheat and corn. And I think the sweet spot for wheat is up into that 780 area of Chicago March. And then we should see some resistance and maybe it rolls over from there. Corn, I'm looking up towards as high as 670 here in this rally. We had a nice day in corn, and so that's a welcome sight. Yeah, we did close above a key moving average there. Uh, what about the soybean market? It didn't really participate in the rally. Was that some spread unwinding with corn or wheat, or what happened? I think it is. I think a lot of people have been long beans. You know, the whole oil share things uh, with meal being higher has supported beans. But I also saw some customs data out where it showed Chinese ex or imports uh, down 14% from October in the month of November, and then really off from last year, as much as 32% from Brazil and 7% from us. And so I, I just think that their COVID situation has really plagued them, and it still is. And so I think that has been what's missing in our corn market for exports, but now we're going to see them shift more to Brazil with their imports, and those are even down right now. So I think that was some of it too. 
And cattle market got pushed by the weather, it looked like. We finally see a little weather premium there, got into new contract highs. Do we keep going here, do you think? Yeah, you know, I think so. You know, you look at the February chart, it's been coiling since the end of October, so a month and a half. And now today we clearly broke out of that sideways chop. And so 159 to 162 looks like the range it's going uh, up to, and we'll see how it acts when it gets there. But over the next three to six weeks with cold weather, you know, we could do that. All right, thanks for the analysis. Darren for Water Street Solutions. More Ag Day is coming up. For marketing strategies specific to your operation, contact Water Street Solutions at 866-249-2528 or online at www.waterstreet.org. Ag Day is brought to you by Germinator Closing Wheels. Germinator Closing Wheels provide quicker emergence and are more consistent in dry conditions than any other closing wheels. Order 12 to 16 rows today and qualify for free shipping or 20% off an end zone moisture management package. Meteorologist Courtney Jorgensen joining us here, taking a look at really the significant feel-like temperatures out there and, and it's going to be dangerous in places. Because it's not just the cold, it's also the wind that adds in and really starts to feel those temperatures much colder. And you can see what those temperatures feel like as low as 40 to near 50 degrees below zero over in the northern portions of the country. As we move this map in motion heading through this afternoon, that temperatures continue to spread further towards the southeast as it does so everyone get, begins to get very cold and not just that but we're going to be seeing those winds gusting quite a bit. Look across the country, nearly the entire half or eastern half of the country is going to be dealing with very gusty conditions. We're talking upwards of 35, 40 miles per hour for many areas across, especially into the Great Lakes. As that system does begin to work its way in towards the holiday weekend, it is going to be making significant impacts, especially when you impact that along with those snow showers too. The jet stream showing that energy here for Thursday as that does move on through. Wow, that is just a very tight uh, component here. And as it moves off towards the northeast, we'll start to see some ridging off towards the southwest just in time for Christmas Eve. But as we head into the holiday itself and into next week, we do still see a little bit of impact further towards the north. So we might see some more moisture further north as well, too, with those colder temperatures continuing. As we head into Thursday, though, take a look at what we're checking and what we're watching throughout the day today. There's that snowfall beginning to make its impact. But off towards the uh, northeast, you can see those rain showers. Certainly going to be seeing some heavy rainfall and some coastal flooding as possible as well too, along with those snow showers that are going to be making their impact moving on into and through the Great Lakes. As you can see what it does by Friday morning, it starts to bring in through those lake effect snow components. So this is going to be a massive storm here moving across the east or northeastern portions of the country. Here's what it looks like as far as those snowfall estimates as we move their way on through through the day today and into the holiday weekend. We're looking at upwards of six inches, 12 inches in some areas, especially once we get those lake effect snow components across portions of the Great Lakes and a bit more snow as we head into the start of next week. Now take a look at your local cities here. Parsons, West Virginia, rain showers a bit breezy, high of 46 degrees. Pawpaw, Michigan, rain and snow showers high of 36 in Aurora, Nebraska, negative six for the high. Inflation is eating into which cuts of beef people are buying. Details next. The NRCS Conservation Stewardship Program cost shares more than 150 practices on farms and ranches. Visit your local service center or farmers.gov today.
And later, tis the season for Christmas tree sales. We'll see how the industry is faring during the holiday rush. Checking the latest at the meat case. Though retail beef prices are lower right now than they were a year ago, prices remain historically higher due to inflation. But you also have to factor in fewer cows heading into 2023 into those prices. That's according to David Anderson, an economist with Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service. He says there are also signs consumers are looking at alternative beef cuts in order to save money. He says, for example, people are buying fewer ribeye cuts and turning to less expensive steaks or more ground beef. But he says overall beef demand remains good and people are continuing to buy. He says we are on pace to produce a record amount of beef this year, adding up to more than 28 billion pounds. The animal health industry appears to have weathered the pandemic well, according to a new study. This comes from NDP Analytics. It says over the past three years, the animal health industry saw solid gains thanks to more interest in people getting pets and strong livestock demand. Now it says the industry now works with more than 10 billion animals, seeing about $14 billion in sales at home and abroad. Today, nearly 70% of U.S. households own pets as the COVID pandemic amplified the idea of having one to support mental and physical health. Now on the livestock side, Less disease, vaccines, and improved food safety are cutting instances of foodborne illnesses. The U.S. animal health industry directly supporting some 24,000 jobs. One industry in the heart of its season, the Christmas tree industry. Up next, how a new checkoff is helping growers find and build new markets for the perfect pie, both here and abroad. It's usually the focal point of any decorated home for the holidays, the Christmas tree. As Farm Journal Stein Morgan reports, there's a growing demand for the real thing. From songs like Rocking Around the Christmas Tree to Oh Christmas Tree, the Christmas tree is the centerpiece of Christmas. They've reported a Christmas tree shortage for years now, for seven years. We've never run out of Christmas trees. Marsha Gray is the executive director of the Real Christmas Tree Board, the checkoff for Christmas tree farmers. Our supply numbers are actually lower than they were 15 or 20 years ago. So that part is true, um, but we've never not met the demand. Even with the whiplash of weather, Gray says those challenges don't cut into the supply for that year. So it's very rare that a weather event in the existing year impacts the trees we're trying to sell this year. What it does impact in most cases are the seedlings, the new plantings. The main Christmas tree production areas in the U.S. are Oregon, Wisconsin, Michigan, and North Carolina. And the extreme heat in the Pacific Northwest did throw a curveball to growers. And they were hitting like 118 degrees in June. And what that did, it didn't kill trees, what it did is we have all that flush new growth on the, and the ends. That's where you get all the pretty new, new, new branches. While weather can be a battle for future trees, it's the cost of trucking and freight that added to the cost of trees this year. The average cost of a Christmas tree was up 10% year over year. But as younger families look to embrace tradition, Gray says they're also buying a product that benefits the environment. The trees themselves, um, because their farm we're replanting it's a constant cycle of renewing and sustaining that and consumers when they're done with the tree at the end it is 100 biodegradable it's just going to go back to the earth from the environment to the economy gray says christmas tree farmers from across the country are meeting a growing demand not just at home 
but abroad. We export Christmas trees to Dubai, to Mexico, to, you know, the Middle East, all kinds of interesting places. An American-grown product helping make Christmas memories year after year. All right, thanks, Ty, and make sure to join us Friday morning for our annual Christmas in the Country broadcast as we celebrate the holidays in rural America. We'll check out a family-owned reindeer farm along with a whiskey business that's completely farmer-focused. That's tomorrow morning right here on Ag Day, and you can also watch it this weekend on U.S. Farm Report. For today, thanks for watching. That's all of our time. I'm Clinton Griffiths from all of us here at Ag Day. Have a great day. Have a fun country.